This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. People say you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. And you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not having fun doing it, you're gonna give up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Josh Batista. Um, you probably don't know who he is. Uh, it's not like a lot of the other guests where it's like, oh, he's part of this, you know, band that you've been aware of for the last couple of decades or whatever, or uh, even necessarily involved in a, a band that's, you know, on the rise necessarily. But what's interesting about this conversation and how it came to be is that it literally uh, started based on the crux of the show. Um, forever, you know, I've talked about that this show is essentially what happens and it's supposed to be when you kind of meet someone at a bar for the first time and you just have a couple of drinks and you start talking and talk about life and, and all these things. And it just kind of starts, you know, you start kind of building a relationship, uh, with a stranger essentially. And that is what happened with this. Um, I had gone to Buffalo for the last Every Time I Die Christmas show and had run into Josh at the Pink. And somehow we were talking. I don't even remember necessarily what we were talking about. Um, but I remember we kind of started talking about music stuff, uh, the industry side of things a little bit. And it was one of those where, you know, I had very much uh, enjoyed talking with Josh. And he was like, oh, my God, I got stories for days about things. And you know, I just kind of, it struck me as something where I was like, you know, I don't typically necessarily do this, but I should kind of lean into it a little bit more and, and maybe have him come on the show. So that's exactly what I did. It took us a little while to actually get this conversation down because, uh, as I ended up finding out, Josh is a very busy person, uh, between his band, uh, no chance for closure, uh, getting and kind of growing, uh, their own name locally out in the New York area, um, most recently actually um, announcing that they're doing a small run with Johnny Craig, but also that he DJs uh, for the Emo Night Brooklyn stuff. And, you know, that takes him all over. Um, and it was one of those where 
you know, I'd be like, oh, what do you got going on? And then he would be like, oh, I'm flying to Miami or I'm flying to Cleveland or I'm flying here or my band's got shows this weekend. And I'm just sitting there going like, the fuck do you have all the like, because we, like I said, we never talked about that part. So I was just like, how the fuck are you like constantly flying? Um, I kind of felt like I did what a lot of people do to me. Uh, when, you know, I talk about like, oh, I know so-and-so, or I, I, you know, whatever, where it's like, who the fuck are you? Um, which maybe that should have been the name of the podcast. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where, um, you know, Josh and I hit it off and when we finally had the conversation, I, I really enjoyed it, but I also had no idea what we were going to talk about. Um, so to kind of get into some of the more, um, vulnerable, uh, parts of, of mainly Josh, I'll say, uh, opening up about, you know, some of his addictions and so forth and struggles that he's gone through in his life. I was really, really interesting and was one of those, um, where when that happens, you know, it's, it's kind of a reminder of, of the impact and the, and the, the specialness of this medium, uh, that literally, you know, it's, it's strangers kind of connecting, uh, over shared experiences and so forth and just kind of allowing themselves to be open to talking about these things. Um, so for that, I, I'm very, very thankful. And I'm very, I was kind of surprised, uh, honestly, uh, to get some of this information out of Josh. But uh, without spoiling any of it, let's get into my conversation with Josh, and I will talk to you all on the other side of it. shit so like when people are like coming in they're always like i don't know what that was and most of the time it usually leads to interesting kickoff points of a conversation like you know having sergio from uh quicksand on he was like oh i've never really heard him but you know i'm obviously like you know growing up in new york was kind of big into hip-hop and da da and it kind of led us down a whole rabbit hole so it's always uh it's always fun to kind of just throw an instrumental out there and then people be like, I don't know what that was, but I was vibing with it. And you're like, all right. Which is so funny because as somebody who like born and raised in New York City, like Dilla Donuts was one of the things that like you had to listen to as 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 a hip hop head. Like you, you, you had to know who Dilla was. Well, I think that's the funny thing though. Like, you know, and I've talked about it almost ad nauseum. So, I mean, it's funny and fitting to actually have someone know, I guess, some more history about Dilla than, than most people when I have them on and start talking. But it's funny because I feel like, you know, like we had talked about uh, at the bar at the pink, you know, I'm from the East Coast originally, but it's like Dilla is uniquely and has been for me in my my quest of like old hip hop, like growing up, that he has been the missing link when I found him between, you know, East Coast, old school, West Coast, stuff like that. Oh, and the 100%. link between... And the link between him and where Kanye basically picks up, that's he was the missing link between that well, that then pushes say, it forward. Because he was he like Kanye has has said previously, if I'm not mistaken, like that Dilla was one of his biggest inspirations. So it was one of those things that like for me, I grew up just well, and I think the other the other reason why I I was so immersed in that hip hop culture is also I like I grew up right by Queensbridge. Like I, I still live right over there in, in, um, in like LIC Astoria. But like, I, I, I grew up, I grew up in this neighborhood when it was not a neighborhood you wanted to be in. And like, <laughs> and it's, it's just so funny. Cause now you've got like all these high rises and fancy restaurants and it's, it's, it, 
but it all comes back for me to the music. Like I remember listening to to Donuts. I remember listening to 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 Mob Deep and Nas and all the dudes that were local, like down the block. Like I remember seeing them get out their cars. I feel like that's the crazy thing, and you know, it's something I've talked a lot about. And I know every every place kind of has a geographical like stamp on them on music, you know, over the course of time, you know, growing up and granted, I grew up in Delaware, which had no music scene, but like I've said, like, you know, having (laughs) friends who would come from Philly, come from Jersey, come from, you know, you know, Rhode Island, come from mass, come from all these areas. It's like, they were kind of bringing things in that were happening around the time. And that was also kind of then moving here to the Midwest where I'm like, Like, you know, I remember the first time within the first couple of months of moving here, someone showed me ICP and I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's interesting to kind of just see how geographically, you know, everyone kind of puts their stamp on stuff. And then by byproduct of growing up around, especially if you're in a culture, a mixture of a melting pot of cultures like New York and a lot of those East Coast places, you know, being one of the original 13 colonies you can't help but just kind of start adding the flavors and layers to it and stuff like that. And that was oh, uh, uh, a, a thousand percent. I mean, honestly, that's why the music I make is the music I make. It's I, I, I never wanted to like, I remember being younger and wanting to sound like somebody specifically or wanting to make a certain sound or wanting to emulate certain artists. And I just kind of had a come to Jesus moment where I was like, I actually don't want any of that. Like, I want to just do what I want to do and not put myself in a box that I think I belong in. How much, interestingly, how do you think living where you did and being surrounded by the artists that, you know, you've been surrounded by and grew up with, do you think that kind of gave you maybe the permission to to come to that conclusion? I actually, I... I I, I think it did now because now that I'm thinking about like growing up in a in in a fairly hip hop centric and like and even being in a Latino household like I it all like I I would say that that it's it's very fair that my that 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 conclusion was a hundred percent a byproduct of my of my my upbringing mm-hmm. and like being from this area because you know obviously where i'm where i'm at is is associated with hip hop but like i grew up going to hardcore shows literally anywhere i could right like i remember i i remember all the times i used to go down to jersey just to see dillinger and every time i die and and like all the all the mayhem i used to get into in long island going <laughs> to see all, all the bands out there like it it's so funny that that i i don't think i I've I've noticed that this is a this is a recurring theme in my life where I like don't realize a lot of things about my life until they're put into perspective for me by someone else when they're like, oh, do you think this? I'm like, motherfucker, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is a byproduct of you know I think when we were talking at the bar I think we're roughly around the same age but I think I was a little bit older than you, um, but it was kind of just one of those things where. Uh, you know, I had talked about going to therapy and stuff like that, as I now just blab incessantly about because someone will be like, that's a really interesting thought or whatever. I'm like, oh, thank my therapy brain now, because like now it's one of those things that I, I don't think and same with like taking, you know, various uh, hallucinogenic, hallucinogenics and stuff like that, where it's like if you kind of go into it and you're you're willing to 
be shown and be taught something and and not think that you know everything, then it opens up so many more things to you and allows you to kind of think things through uh, as someone's telling you. And you're kind of in the moment to be like, huh, I hear what you're saying. And it makes me think this. And then you just kind of throw it back to the person almost as pros. Like, what do you think? And, you know, like the, almost like improv. Yes. And and then you keep the conversation going that way. But I think it's it's really just kind of having lived a lot of life and talked to so many people that you kind of can find these through ways with people that you don't even know. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's actually like really remarkable. Um because I I've always had a similar outlook, not necessarily the 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 same approach, but my um, my 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 general thing has always been like there's always something else to learn. Yeah, you're you're never going to know everything, but kind of the object is to try. Like, am I gonna am I gonna learn all the things? Am I gonna know everything? No, not in a million years, but be open to the learning experience when you're having conversations, when you're in different places, like the idea is that you, you should be a sponge. You should take all of the things around you and, and find a way to make that apply to yourself. So, and that kind of brings it right back to where we started, where it's like you, you, I start, you know, you start off wanting to sound like something and you want to do something and then eventually you kind of realize that the the being the sponge and learning all the things is not about regurgitating what you receive. It's about taking in the, the knowledge and putting it in a different way. Well, and how, like, and how it applies to you, rather. Well, interestingly, as you were kind of saying that, it kind of made me think of a, a different approach where it's almost like, you know, for me it kind of has taken a little while of doing something to find quote unquote, my own voice, or I should say be more comfortable in expressing myself and expressing the things that I go through. And subsequently, I guess kind of shedding the, because some people may look at it as a perceived ego, like, Oh, well, why do you feel you have, you should be able to talk or say these things or should have your voice be heard to, to whomever and, you know, create a platform where I almost think it's kind of something dim similar but also severely different where it's like, I didn't for a while. I didn't think I had anything worth a shit to say, but I found in time that there are people who are very like-minded with a lot of the things that, you know, I'll say or think. And therefore it's, it's more of just thinking out loud with people and kind of trying to figure out like, what's, what, what else is there? What can I learn from somebody else? And I think that's kind of what it is. It's, it's, it's kind of seeking the freedom to kind of be able to, to be yourself creatively or whatever. And I think in, in this world, I think there's so much of that going on with kind of the younger generation of like, I'm jealous of kids that go to school now. And, and I know that bullying still exists, you know, for, for being bi or lesbian or gay or whatever, or poly or all these other terms that weren't as, as known when I was going to school. But I look at kids now and I'm like, I kind of am envious of you because Whereas I didn't give a fuck about a lot of things because I just didn't like if I like this music, I like this music. If I like this football team, I like this football team. I don't give a shit. But I feel like there's more acceptance and inclusion now for a younger generation than there was when I was growing up. And I feel like oh, I'm a little 100%. bit jealous of that because I feel like and I wonder what my life would be and how different it would be if I had some of these tools and these 
avenues to kind of express myself that I didn't back then. I, it's, it, it's, it's funny that you say that. Cause there's a lot of things where like, I wish there was a lot of information available to us that wasn't when we were kids like that. And, and I mean that even with the acceptance and even labeling things as being poly and, and or being pansexual versus bisexual, like un- understanding what the difference was and why why I fit into whatever category I fit it to. But it also comes back to what you're saying is growing up, I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I, like say what you wanted, man. And 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 I I realized that I started to care more about what people think thought like as I got older. And then I realized again, I was like, wait, why am I even, why am I wasting my time with what other people think when I could just do what I want and be who I want to be and not let any of that like get under my skin. I mean, I, it, it, it's, it, it also like for me comes from, I had a lot of, um, life-changing things happened to me when I was really young. Mm. Um, like, uh, I had, uh, I, I had a car accident when I was like 12 years old and, um, I, I have permanent nerve damage in my feet that, um, like I, I can collapse at any moment and have a relapse because my, the, the way that the nerve damage works is that it, it's, it's overactive rather than the nerves are dead. Mm. So I am constantly in pain my mm. entire life from when I was 12 years old to now I have been in pain and I will be for the rest of my life. And that also helps put things in per- into perspective where, where you, you kind of have to realize that you're like, I, I live a life different to everyone else. And everyone else lives a life different to me. And you, you kind of have to be more accepting of that fact. And, and it's, it's something you definitely have to get to. Cause I know like my journey, I was a piece of shit when I was younger. I, I know that I know that I, I took a lot of things that were happening to me and I threw it back at the world because I was angry. Hmm. I, again, I, I was in pain all the time. I was in and out of a wheelchair through high school. Like I, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's a, it's, I'm lucky that I, I, uh, I got to where I am from where I was, hmm. um, because I, I know that a, a lot of who I was when I was younger, a lot of that person I, I don't like today. Like that would have been somebody that I would have probably slapped in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, and on top of that, like I grew up with. Uh, being on the spectrum just to, to add insult to injury. Like I, I have severe ADHD and I'm on the spectrum. So I, I get, um, so go on brain. Uh, (laughs) but like, um, one of the things that happens is that sometimes when I get super overwhelmed, I, um, I like I I'll hurt myself and it it's completely involuntary. It's it's a it's a type of stimming. Like my brain is trying to restart. Mm. I'm so overwhelmed that I'm trying to 
figure out what's going on and I just explode. And it's it's terrifying because I get thrown into the backseat of my own self. Like I am watching all of these ha- things happen and just hoping I don't do anything like, um, you know, a- anything I can't undo. <laughs> right. Um, and it, it's, it's why like today I am not the person I was a year ago, let alone five years ago. And the, the adaptation that we have to kind of use to overcome the things in our lives while, as we said earlier, taking in the things around us and using those to form something new, that, that to me is one of the essences of being a person of being alive. It's kind of funny as you were <clears throat> you know, saying a lot of those things. And, and, you know, for those that, you know, I'll probably end up saying this and prefacing it in the intro and so forth, but, you know, we literally met at a bar because of the, every time I die Christmas shows and somehow got to talking about whatever. I don't even remember. I mean, it is the crux basically of why the show started of just like, you know, when you meet someone at a bar and you just start talking and for like an hour or whatever. And then the next thing you know, like you just kind of go about your life and maybe see them again. Maybe you don't like that's kind of the rawness and realness of what I always wanted the show to be. And I think I do a a pretty good job of that now, but regardless, you know, as I'm kind of learning a lot of these things about you for the first time, you know, one of the things that, as you said, uh, you know, about like kind of being a a backseat passenger to kind of your own experiences of, of things that are happening to you. And I'm reminded of something a, that my therapist had said where, you know, I had said something similarly where I was like, Oh, I just feel like a lot of these things are happening to me. You know, like, why did this person, you know, reach out to me? And she had kind of put it in perspective for a minute and was like, you know, maybe you weren't the first person that this happened to, but maybe, you know, you're along the line of people that this person reached out to. And I was like, oh, and then she goes, you know, a lot of times we think of the world happening at us, like we're reacting to what's happening to us versus kind of, you know, understanding that sometimes you're, you're not the star of the movie necessarily because we are the star of our own movies. But she goes sometimes, and this is not, you know how I mean to say it, but like she goes, sometimes we always think of ourselves as, as the lead of the movie or as the, the, the hero, but sometimes we could be the villain or a bit character in someone else's story. And then she goes, and it's all about perspective and just kind of realizing that these things are happening to everybody just in different capacities. And it was really, eye-opening to kind of realize that and it was more of the you may be the the star of your story but you're just a minor character in someone else's and i was like holy pff, holy shit i mean a hundred percent you um like uh not to be a not to be an absolute nerd about this but like um look at rosencrantz and gildenstern are dead uh the, that's a book no that's a show right oh uh, yeah it's a it's a it's originally a play okay um but kind of the idea um, yep. lost you for a second characters from Hamlet. Oh, okay. And um, pretty much opening the entire story to about them. So we'd only seen one perspective of the story and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern end up, end up dying um, in, well, obviously in, in, in both tellings, <laughs> but it's, 
you kind of shift it to their story, which is something that you never would have thought about. Right. Previous to seeing Hamlet. Like you never would have thought, Hey, what are we going to do? And one of the like really interesting things about Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is that they're almost aware that they're a part of someone else's story. Hmm. Um, because they keep like flipping this coin. Um, they they keep trying to 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 like discern whether this is reality or not, and they keep flipping the coin, and it always lands on the same thing mm. until the end when they die, and that's when it changes. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting when you kind of think about that, and I think it kind of speaks to a bigger <clears throat> narrative at times where it's like sometimes you have to know what your role is and how to play it, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, as at times, you know, having been in managerial roles, sometimes my role as a manager looks different day within an hour, even where it's like, sometimes I have to come in and literally be the everything that someone needs to help them get through something. But sometimes I need to be more of the office person who gets a lot of that stuff done and be like, Hey, I need you all to do whatever. But then you're also managing various roles uh, within your working relationships with people and, and growing them as well. Um, before I forget this thought, the other thing that you had said when you kind of were talking about, you know, taking a back seat to something, you know, I, I'm sure you've seen the movie uh, Get Out. All yeah. right. So obviously when that came out and I, and I can't wait for for Nope to come out and just have all of the conversations that are going to come from that movie, too. But 100 percent when going to see Get Out, I remember you know, the sunken place. And I remember going on Twitter and someone was like, the sunken place looked like a TV for Chris, because that's what he was always in front of when his mom died and he neglected everything. So it's kind of how he views the world from the sunken place. And Jordan uh, Peele commented back. He goes, yes, everyone's sunken place looks different. And I was again, just like mind blown with that. Cause it's like, I feel like we all have that ability. I think at times to, de to detach ourselves from whatever's happening. It's almost a, a, a coping mechanism. I think in some instances, um, in the others, I think it's just a byproduct of, you know, you know, conditions or whatever that we are in. But I think it's interesting, you know, for you to, you said I'm in the back seat because I feel like some of like the nightmares I used to have. And before I would read up on them was I was always in the passenger seat and things were happening and I couldn't control what was happening. Cause I'm, I'm a passenger. And then you would like start looking up what these things mean. And it's like, Oh, well it's because you, you know, feel that you're a passenger in life and don't have control of it. And then you start going, Oh, that kind of makes sense. And, and things like that. So to me, when you said that, I feel like I'm a backseat passenger to what's happening to me by me, I think is a, it was a really interesting visual that kind of made me think of all of these things and, and these different iterations of how we, we deal with things. I, I, but it's like, exactly. It's, it, it's one of those things there that, um, speaking of therapy, one of the things that like, I, um, uh, my, my therapist always said that, that kind of did, did the same like mind blowing thing to me was, was that idea of like, um, not everything is personal, even if it has your name on it. Hmm. Like it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's, or rather don't take, don't take things personally, even when it has your name on it, because the idea is that it's, it is still from someone else's perspective. Hmm. It is not the thing you are intending to do. It's not they they are, they are viewing it through a lens that is not 
it's not the same as yours. So you, you, you ascribing your lens to their feelings or their experience, it, it doesn't help anybody. Right. It's it. All you're doing is creating a, a volley that isn't actually a thing you want to go back and forth about. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it, it really comes down to that, that like realizing that everyone's perspective is completely different. And, and that, and that's also why I, why I say like, I, I realized that a lot, a lot of things about myself, like I didn't, I didn't like who I was when I was younger because of a lot of that, because I, I, there was actually, and it was funny that you say, you know, most people see themselves as, as the hero, but I think that even like in high school, there were times where I actually saw myself as the villain and I liked it. Like I, I was so used to getting things thrown at me that I was like, Oh, I can turn the tables for once. Mm. And then I realized like, but that's not how you go about it. Actually, like you, you have to, you have, you have to get, again, as we were saying, take other people's perspective into, into consideration and understand that not like everyone has their own view and their own experience with, with life. Yeah. You never know who you're, who you're talking to. Like I, um, I've had issues with, with having, um, I was talking about like being, uh, overstimulated and having kind of a, like a breakdown, um, happened to be like in an airport because I couldn't comprehend how someone else's mistake like and and again, this is this was in the moment, not necessarily like oh, an overall thing, but like at at the at the time, I was so overwhelmed with the thought of I couldn't comprehend how someone else's mistake could become my problem and my problem alone. Um, and it was something as dumb as like my the 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 bag check kiosk wasn't working. <laughs> And they they told me to get on the customer service line, but I was like, guys, I arrived here two hours before my flight. That line is hella long, and I have a show to do tonight. Like I was I was working that night. I was trying to get to um, to Cincinnati to play a show, and they um, and like all my gear was in my was was what I was checking, and. They just kind of were like, oh, well, no one told you to stand in that line. I was like, actually, three of your employees told me to stand in this line. And now I've missed my flight because you guys weren't paying attention when anyone else was telling you what needs to go on. And now I have to figure out if I can even get to the show on time. Yeah. And I I was freaking out. And they were just kind of like, oh, calm down, sir. And what's funny is I wasn't yelling at anybody. I literally, I, I, I started biting myself because that, like, that's, that's one of the, my, my stimming triggers is I either hit my head or I bite myself. And it, it's, I, as I said, like, I, I see it happen and I, and I'm terrified by it. So I can only imagine 
how frightening it is to other people to see a six foot two, 200 pound man just <laughs> chew into his own flesh. Like it's probably fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, so it, it, and, and it's really funny. Cause it's always like, I always remember people always say things like, Oh, calm down. And I'm like, has anyone not figured out that that's literally the last thing you're supposed to say to somebody when they're freaking out? It's like, it's like, have, have y'all not figured this out yet? Like what's, <laughs> I think in my time of working at a bar, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I wish I was six, two and, and I'm over 200 pounds, but I wish I was, you know, that tall and, and physically imposing because at times, you know, being a door person, I feel like that's what everyone expects is just like, Oh, shit happens. I'm picking you up. I'm whooping your ass. And then I'm throwing you the fuck out of the bar. And that's not really my vibe. Like my vibe has always been like, let's talk about things. And, you know, very recently there was some shit that was kind of popping off and we're, our bar is a, a very like almost like the pink. It is a very regulars, regular bar. Um, and it is inviting to, to outside people, but you know, you're going to run into half of a bar full of regulars that have been drinking there for anywhere from a decade to three or four. And, in that sometimes you obviously mix alcohol and just people like, and sometimes when we go over capacity, people are just kind of on top of each other and it creates tensions and, and so forth. Oh yeah. You, I mean, you, you don't have to tell me that uh, my, my job when I'm not, you know, a touring DJ or touring with my band, like I'm, I'm an F and B director. Mm. I run restaurants like I, I, and, and bars actually, but bars were, were my specialty. And then I found out accidentally I could cook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh like it, it's and it's funny that you say that because even when i have been the person that was supposed to be the one that was the like the imposing force i actually found that a lot of the time if i came with that energy like being the big dude you're met with it exactly like nobody or or it was the opposite where, or not the opposite rather, or, or where they would be like, Oh, you're not that big <laughs> because the thing is, is like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm six two, but I do not look it like yeah. I, I slouch. I have terrible posture. Like it's, it, it's all, it's all these things where it's like, I don't look imposing even though I am of a size that most people would consider to be so. Yeah. So when I tried to do that thing, like, it's almost like people would sniff out that it's not genuine. Like I'm not that person. And, and as you were saying, like I realized who like the, one of the best ways to, to get around that is try to be someone's friend. Yeah. Like, like talk to them, like, like you've known them for a while or, or try to get to know them in that moment and be like, Hey man, I get it. But I, I'm not the one who makes the rules. And even if I were the one that makes the rules, like, if other people are on, are are uncomfortable and it's and the cause is 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 you dude yeah there's one of two things that has to happen you either have to fix your shit right now or you got to get out of here yeah yeah and that's that's the the hard part is kind of and quickly to to address someone and i remember like i was saying there's a thing 
this guy was just sitting there like somehow he bumped into someone or I don't know what started it. I didn't see that part. But then I just see like one of our regulars kind of talking shit like the dude's just like, shut the fuck up, man. Like we're done. I'm not, it's I'm sorry. Like whatever. He just turned around and then someone's like, oh, well, if you would have done this, I would have done this. I, I would have. And they just they're literally right behind him. So then I walked up to him and I walked up to one of our regulars. And I was like, hey, would you guys mind switching seats? So he's at the end of the bar. Now he's not right behind them. They say something, it's whatever. And then I, I like asked our regulars, I was like, hey, can you guys go go to the back of the bar? Like, I just don't want it, this to turn into anything else. Like, it's done, it's squashed. Let's just separate and like continue to have a good time. And then the guy, like, when he was done, he was like, Yeah, man, I'm sorry. Like, you know, da, da, da. I was like, No, it's fine. Like, nothing <laughs> happened. I'm just trying to make sure that nothing happens again because I know this this is how people pick at each other and shit like that, and it could escalate again. So let's just remove everyone, kind of start over. Have a good time now. And he was like, you know, thank you for not kicking me out right away. And I was like, well, nothing happened yet for me to do that. But I see that the potential for something to happen could. So I'm rectifying that now. So I don't have to kick anyone out. And it's one of those where he was like, you know, just thank you for talking to me like a person. And I get that more often than not. And the funny thing is, is, you know, I, like I tell people all the time, I'm like, I'm just treating people how I would want to be treated in that situation. I don't want to be, I don't want to be yelled at, or I don't want to be fucking manhandled by someone because I'm apparently out of line. And maybe I didn't even know. I mean, we're dealing with drunk people. And I think that's, that's the hard part is we, we again, don't see ourselves in others when others do things. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me as, as a door person is I don't really talk a whole lot because a, I would just blow out my voice doing it, you know, a couple of days a week. But beyond that, you know, I'm the eyes and ears of the bar. And yep. there's been times where, you know, like I said, I'm not a physical person, but there was one day and, you know, I'm going to preface, you know, anyone listening to this, sorry for the language, but like this dude was going on and he was like acting like he knew all these people. Like he would just sit at like one of our big tables with a group of people and you could kind of tell like they didn't know him. But he acted like, or he maybe he did think he knew them. But then he would start talking about something, and the and the you know the guy was uh, uh, gay, and he just would kind of like find the dudes, and then would be like, oh, have you ever, like, it just kind of like make them feel awkward about you know, like you'd ask things like, oh, have you ever thought about being with a guy or things like that, just kind of starting shit. And I kept seeing it throughout the night, and he would talk to girls, and the girls would kind of be like, I don't know what the deal is with that dude. And everyone's like, do you know him? And I was like, I've seen him in here one other time before with someone that I don't like at all. Um, and I was like, so I've seen him once and he was fine then, but there was like no one here. But seeing him just kind of go around would be like, he seems like a regular who's not. And the way I see him talking to people, it's almost like he's trying to bait them into arguments or something. Like he, he gets off on causing. He, he's, he's actively antagonizing. Yes. So at the end of the night, there was a fight that happened. A dude went to get, grab a chair. One of our bartenders thought that he was going to grab the chair to hit the dude. And I go, no, 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 no. His jacket's under the under the table, under this this chair. He's trying to get it. And then when someone pushed him to get him away from the chair, that's when he said he since he still had a hold of it. Then he grabbed it. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then the other dude's yelling and he's like, where the fuck's my girl? And I was like, your girl's over there with our bartenders. It's fine. I'm literally running back and forth, like trying to cause damage control between these oh. two. They go outside, and and if you've worked in a bar, and anyone listening to this, if you've ever seen fights at a bar, you know how rare this is. Our bartender, one of our other regulars, knew both of the guys. Was like, you guys are the same motherfucking person. If you were here on a Sunday, you'd be watching football, whatever, having a good fucking time. And then he's like, squash the shit, and like fucking, you know, you know, say you're sorry, basically. Like, this is bullshit. And then the guys were like, yeah, I'm really sorry. And the guy's like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, this happened. And he's like, I would have done the same. And then they both were like sharing a cigarette, and they're like, let's go inside and have a shot. And I'm like, yo, this shit's getting squashed. I've never fucking have seen this ever. 
Um, kudos to you guys. And then this dude who kind of was like starting the shit was like, I'm going to fucking punch you to one of the guys. And we're like, dude, please get the fuck away. Like you're just now causing, you're trying to amp this up to be something that it, it doesn't need to be anymore. So he then comes and sits down with another table right at the big table next to me. And I'm already fired up. Cause it's like, and let's like pass last call. We're about done. Most everyone's out. And <laughs> I see him starting in with these two other dudes and he's like, Oh, you guys like, are you guys like friends? Like how long have you known each other? Da, da, da. And then he's like starting to be like going in with this like gay stuff. And I'm just like, you can see him kind of getting a little agitated and they're like, no, nah, it's just not us, man. And he's like, Oh, so you have a problem with gay people. And he's like, no, oh, geez, we didn't man. say that either. And then like, so I see like them getting a little bit awkward and weird. And I'm like, and then, so finally like, and throughout the night, he kept going like, oh, I'm Carter. Da, da, da. I'm, a, I'm a twink, this, that, or the other. And I'm like, that's also very weird. Why would you say these to strangers? Yeah, that's, Granted, that's not how you open that anyway. Like, 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 even even if you were trying to smash, like, that's not how you, that's, that's no. not a cold open, dog. <laughs> so at this point, I'm, I'm done. And I'm like, dude, get the fuck up. Like, you're done. Get the fuck out of my bar. And he goes, you can't talk to me like that. I go, the fuck? I can't, dude. Like, I'm the bouncer. I work here. You don't. Get the fuck out of here. Like you have been causing problems all night. He goes, I haven't. I go, how about this? How about this? And I started pointing to like people that were still in the bar. I go, that person, that person, you just started shit with these two. You started shit with the people that started the fight. Then you started shit outside with those people that we were calming down. I go, you've just been antagonizing people all fucking night. Get the fuck out of here, dude. And then he was like, well, it's still this time. Da, da, da. And I go, I go, shut the fuck up. I don't care. Shut the fuck up. Get out. You think you have a voice here. You don't shut the fuck up. Get out of here. And then, like, I hear someone, and I go, and I don't ever yell at anyone, and now I know my bartenders and everyone are listening to me, they don't yell at anyone. So you know you have to be a real fucking asshole if I'm yelling at you, because I don't. So I go, get the fuck out of here. And he started to say something, I go, I go, let me say it how you'll understand. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out. Please leave. And then he just was sitting there, and I'm, like, getting close to him, but I have, like, my arms folded. And he goes, don't, I was like, I'm not fucking touching you. And I go, but if you don't get the fuck up out of here after I've asked you for the last three minutes to get the fuck out of your seat and leave, I will pick you in your twink ass up out of that chair and I will throw you the fuck out of here. Please get the fuck out of here. And then he was just like, and everyone was like, oh. and I go, don't act like I can't say that. You've been saying it to everyone all over the bar. I go, so if you don't like it, please get the fuck out of here. Please get the fuck out of here. And then like, so, like my uh, bartender was just like, here, here's a shot. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But it was one of those, like, I felt really bad at, at first yelling at this dude, but I was like, no, like, you have been causing problems the whole fucking time that you've been here. Like, I should have done kicked you out a while ago when I saw you antagonizing people all fucking day or all evening. And I should have said something then, but I was like, it doesn't seem like everyone's confused. And that was the part that was confusing to me because I was like, how do I handle this when no one's openly complaining about something? But something needs to be done. And I just don't know how to handle this. A hundred percent. Like there is, there's also like that that weird line that that we walk as, at like as bar people that like, where you kind of have to take the good of the bar into consideration over your own ideas right. of what's happening. Like yeah. you might, you might think that you have an idea of what you're looking at, but you. As, as you're talking about, it's all about perspectives. Like we don't actually know what people are seeing. Yeah. And, and like, and particularly something like that is, is wild because it's like, you're sitting there being like, okay, so this guy's like kind of st starting problems, but he's not getting 
aggressive to the point that I have to kick him out. And if he's still buying drinks, if he's still supporting the business, it's kind of my job to actually keep him here. If it like, as long as it's not getting to (laughs) the breaking point or anyone's breaking point. Right. Like if, if it's, you know, you sometimes you don't, uh, it's almost like a, a treating treating things like they're they're bees, <laughs> where <laughs> where you know that if you make the wrong move, it'll sting you. <laughs> but like, actually, it's only just a mild nuisance. And if if you can get everybody to do the thing you're supposed to do with bees is just ignore them, yeah. Then then you you can find that equilibrium in the space, and you're like, okay, we're good. I don't have to worry about it if I can get everyone to treat him like a bee. And then at the very end, like sometimes bees sting, man. And you, you have to figure out how to, how to squash that before it gets worse. Um, Good. Yeah. As you're saying, no, I was going to say, I had a really interesting one and it was one that as I, I, it really perplexed me and I, and I didn't really know how to bring it up to anyone. Cause I was like, we're not, we're not in that situation. So I don't know, but it was interesting. I had a, a, um, so I'm I'm very pay very much attention to a lot of body language in people. So like sometimes I'll see a dude come around and the body language from the women is kind of back and not like engaging in conversation. So I'll usually like if they person goes to buy a drink, I'm like, are you OK? Like, is, is this cool? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, if you want, you know, if you don't if he's buying you a drink or whatever and you don't want him to handle it, you know, give me a like nod or whatever. And I'll say something to the bartenders and let them know that from this moment forward, like any drinks that that person uh, makes for you, like they'll bring to you um, just, you know, trying to be, be nice and those kind of things. Cause I, I see how shitty dudes can be and see it all the time. And it was one of those things where I saw the same behavior, kind of that predatory behavior from a woman to another woman. <clears throat> like, Hey, keep drinking this. Like the girl ended up throwing up and then it was like, okay, like let's, let's go. I'm going to take you home. And I'm like, I, feel like i should say something and be like no i don't think you should take her home man like that seems not okay and but it was weird because it's the first time i've experienced it in that capacity where it's not a more hetero relationship or however you want to define that but it was one of those like like afterward i was like like asked one of the women that bartends because most of our bartenders are women i was like should i have done something there like i don't know i don't know what the protocol is with that because it's not it's not what I would think of to look for for that. Yeah. But all the same things are there. All the, like the body language, the, the over, like I'm buying you all these shots. And then all of a sudden it's when you're like falling down and at your most vulnerable. Well, now I'm going to take you home. And it's like, mm, that if, if, if it literally were the, a dude and a woman doing that, I would be like, yeah, man, like, no, she ain't going home with you, dude. But I'm kind of like, all right, but you're, you seem like you guys are friends and I don't know, maybe I'm overstepping or overthinking things here and I don't want to make it awkward or weird for myself or the bar either. So at that point, it's just kind of like, I guess I'll, when I see this person the next time, I'll be like, Hey, were you okay? Or like, do I need to kind of pay more attention to you and, or that situation in the, in the future? And to me, that was kind of an awkward thing to, to try to work my way through and navigate because it's like I, as a straight white person, it's like at times even saying or being like, hey, I think I'm seeing something. It's like, well, it's not what you think it is. And it's like, oh, OK, well, I guess I'll just sh- sit down and shut the fuck up then. <laughs> I, it, and it, it's it's funny because this actually brings it back to what we were talking about, where like 
you know, you, you were saying that, you know, how different would our lives be if we were growing up now yeah. in, in a place where we are actively seeing that things are not exactly how we See them. originally perceived them. Like the, the idea that, um, you know, 20 years ago, buying a girl a drink was a thing that everyone just did. Yeah. And now, like, now we have more knowledge and we understand that, like, that can be something that's predatory. And there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, that I find that if we educated, not even just, I mean, particularly educating, you know, uh, young male identifying humans and, 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 uh, and, you know, people who are prone to aggression to aggression, rather to, to kind of recognize these things within themselves or to understand that these things are not okay. Yeah. Um, because I, I, that also comes down to like, there's a lot of things that, that as, as I was saying, it's like, I didn't like the person that I was when I was younger, but I realized that like, some of that was because I didn't realize the things I was doing were as toxic or were as predatory or were, were as frankly fucked up as they were. Like there is, there, there is a, a level of, of, you know, miseducation or not being led to the right paths growing up that like, kind of put us in a weird weird situation but i also recognized those behaviors and was like i can't do this this is not an acceptable way to behave yeah. and and i i feel like w when we were going back to like acceptance it also comes to education too like having people understand that the behaviors that they are engaging in are are problematic behaviors it's interesting as, you know, I was talking with, <clears throat> and I literally talked on record doing one of these with my tattoo artist where we talked about, you know, being almost 40, or I think in his case, I think he is 40, um, but being almost 40 and having kind of the understanding of how hard it is to, to grow and adapt to the changing times, because we remember how things used to be and how we grew up and all those kind of things, but yep. we also still want to be we're not shitty people. So it's like, we want to try to be as inclusive to, to whomever <laughs> now and by, and, but we're still learning. And it's like, you know, I, I had made the comments to him. I was like, I feel like and I see it all the time at the bar. You know, I see some of the people, the older, the older people who are, you know, 10, 15, 20 years older than me, you know, in their sixties or whatever, where it's like, you know, they're still using outdated language. They don't quite understand the world and that, that it's changing and, and how things are, are and how things are perceived and things like that. But it's, it's interesting to see even in our small Petri dish of our bar, you know, we have a regular who is a, an out gay man and he also happens to be black and everyone loves him. And it's so funny to see how accepting, I think over time of him coming there and, and just kind of sharing his life and his world with, with these people, how they have kind of learned to i don't want to say accept because that sounds kind of shitty but it's like they've learned that maybe these people are that that they're not so different from from everybody else 
but it's it's all these you know decades and decades of you know not having people be out and proud and and be vocal about it that i think it just takes time there's a learning curve and i think for some older people i think it takes a lot longer to learn these new things because it's like well, why can't we just go back to the way it was and it's like well it wasn't always the best way and we're finding new ways and better ways to be and exactly like when that that's that's the other thing and that goes back to even what we what we started with was the idea of you know wanting to or like for for me as a as i was saying like my my outlook being that there's always something new to learn and it's it's the same idea that like there's different it all comes back to the idea that realizing there's different perspectives and they that that they're not all in line with you but that doesn't necessarily mean anything is wrong with their perspective right um now obviously there are certain perspectives that a hundred percent are problematic we're we're not i'm not gonna be like everyone's okay because they live their own lives like no there there are things that people do and say that should not be done and said um but to to your point that rather than acceptance i think it's more about understand understanding how to interact with people that you otherwise would not interact with it's it's just being <laughs> honestly it's, it comes down to be just being a decent fucking person like <laughs> like like as and as you said, like as a bouncer, you try to see yourself in or like see see other people's perspectives and and put yourselves in their shoes and be like, oh, this person is not acting out of malice. It's they're, you know, they're getting tossed around and they're just trying to figure out what the hell they're gonna do next. Yeah, and and it's 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 funny because actually like. It's it's just it's just as simple as if you have somebody who has never really encountered um, people of color in in a in a meaningful way or um, LGBTQIA plus identifying people and and like trying to find a way to identify with them. Like if, if you've never interacted with these people, it it's safe to say you're going to have a closed minded approach to it. But if you kind of uh, attack things with that, look, everyone has their own perspective and I'm mm-hmm. going to go into this conversation being open to be like, Oh, what do you have to say now? Of course, if they, as, as, as I said, before like if they start talking some crazy shit you're like oh (laughs) oh okay i think the thing you know about all that and i guess i can kind of parlay it a little bit into you know the music industry side of things i think what's been interesting as i i kind of have always found myself you know always found myself gravitated to to strong individuals who who kind of are very confident even if it's just outwardly in who they are and i think that's always gravitated me toward music and and you know musicians and so forth and why i kind of have, you know started doing this because it's like you know you get to talk to these people typically in a long form fashion now but instead of 
you know, me now doing the press junket where I'm literally talking about a record. It's like, let's just talk and like find out more about you because like we have social media and a lot of people are able to curate the perfect social media existence. And, you know, we look at something like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard now where all of their skeletons are being revealed. And you're like, man, you guys are both terrible fucking people. You kind of deserve each other. Um, and you both are the reason that you both probably did all these things. Cause you're both toxic fucking people. Um, but beyond that, the thing that's been interesting about doing the show is just kind of getting to learn more about people that, you know, are a little bit more, I think, hidden per se like you know someone that i'm excited to talk to soon um if it pans out is uh billy from a perfect circle and to me it's like i know he's going to probably be doing a bunch of press but it's like i've not really heard him do a lot of long form stuff so to me getting to talk to someone like that that existed in a time where we didn't have social media we didn't have all these things it's like it's fun to kind of unearth these things about people we've admired and learn who they are as people but Beyond that, I feel like it's taught me that, you know, we're, we're again, we're so similar to a lot of people like, you know, Patrick from Ice Nine was they were in town a couple of weeks ago and he came to our bar and one of the guys, one of our regulars was just like, oh, man, like, you know, do you really love Grand Rapids? You said you did. And your singer and the guy from Motionless said he loved Grand Rapids. Like, do you guys really like that? Or is that just something you say? And he goes, well, I can't speak for them, but I know I love it. Like, you know, the intersection is one of my favorite venues, like in all of anywhere. Um, I love this city. Like, you know, John and, and his wife, you know, they come to Buffalo and they said they love Buffalo for the same reasons that I love Buffalo. But why I also love here, because it feels like Buffalo. It feel Grand Rapids feels like Buffalo. Buffalo feels like Grand Rapids, just like cities kind of like Pittsburgh and some of those kind of industrial cities along a waterfront or whatever feel kind of the same. Yeah, it's, um, that, it's, that, it's that like that small, big city feel that. That's, that's really awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. the B market feel. Um, but it's one of those that like, you know, and kind of getting to, to befriend a lot of these people and just kind of sharing conversations with them about, you know, their experiences and so forth. I feel like it's so interesting to the people I gravitate toward are, are usually very genuine and very honest and real. And I know that that's not always the case because this industry, I feel like at times will pit one another against one another for perceived reasons that aren't valid at all other than just someone may not like another person so it's like well you got to watch out for that person because they're x y and z um so kind of how have you found between you know djing and playing in the band though i mean they're similar realms but they're not in the same capacity of the demographics oh, yeah. that you're playing to and maybe the rooms you're playing to oh they're complete so yeah they are completely different monsters every and like every time like i this weekend like la last weekend i just dj'd to two thousand people like I had a sold out show in Boston and you know, uh, and then next, uh, and like, and Friday I'm playing sold out show in DC, but then the next Friday I'm playing with my band in Delaware to like maybe a hundred people. <laughs> like I, you know, it, 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 it completely changes, but also like, I, I find that being yourself a hundred percent and being that down to earth person with people as a musician, as someone that people see on that stage and they kind of put you on a pedestal and it's, I feel it, it's important to, to humanize. Like it, it's important to, to realize though, I'm just a person. Like when I used to work in, in fancy restaurants and I would have, 
I'd have people who I like idolize come in and be like, oh my God, you're the, you're, you're here. And it's like, but that's not, that's not what, what you would want as, as a person, you wouldn't want to feel like an animal in a zoo being gawked at. You'd want to be talked to, you'd want to be interacted with and that. And sometimes you don't want that at all. Sometimes you, you've actually been overloaded with, with stimulus and been talking to people all day. And you've been, it's just nonstop people, people, people. And you want to just go out and have a drink and not talk to anybody. Like it can be both things, but if somebody is coming to you in earnest and they're like, Hey, I really enjoy what you do. Personally, like, I don't think you really have a right to, I'm trying to get the, (laughs) there we go. Uh, I personally, I don't think that, you as a performer like you kind of have a duty to not be a dickhead about it like i've had moments where people come up to me and i've I've just said hey man thank you so much um i i like i don't want to i don't want to be rude or anything but i've just had a a really long day and i i i just kind of need to take some time to myself and one of the times that i did that the person left me alone and I like I finished my drink and then I was like, you know what? Screw it. And I I I get up and I just I I get another drink and I walk over to the table. And I'm like, hey man, sorry before, like I just I I was not ready to to hang out and talk. But like if you'd like to 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 talk and hang out, like I'm here for it. Like let's let's do this. And and he seemed so surprised. <laughs> and I was like, no, man, like I didn't like at no point was I trying to be a dick. And I like, I even said that the first time. So like when I realized, Hey, maybe I do like, I am, I am okay to, to talk to people right now. I, I'm i not going to just shrug you off. Like you came to me. That shit takes guts. Like I, if I were sitting in a bar and Mater and Mater James Keenan was sitting there drinking a glass of wine. I, I don't know if I would initially have the balls to say anything to him. Right. But then I, then, and then like, then you have that like moment where you're like, no, just treat them like a person. Don't, don't treat them like, oh, this is the singer from, or this is the guy from, no, it's, this is this dude I met at a bar. Mm-hmm. Like right back to what you were just talking, what we were talking about is how you like started this whole thing. Is that the, the, the concept of this is the guy I met at a bar is way more powerful than you know, the, you know, walking up to somebody and like having this, this idolization in the back of your head. It's just like, and, and, but it also, uh, for me, it's also about like, even people that we have been, that, that we've like come to demonize or to, to realize or to like outcast there's also like there's also two sides to every story like i as as i was saying like i know that a lot of the things that i did when i was younger uh when i was struggling with addiction and when i was just doing lots lots of dumb dumb shit (laughs) like i i i don't agree with a lot of the things that that person was doing that i was doing and you know 
sometimes you you have to have your come to Jesus moment. You gotta have you you gotta have your your rock bottom to be like, this is not who I want to be. Right. Um. So, you know, even even with people that we've learned to almost demonize, give them a shot. Talk to them first, because if if they're if you come up to this person and, and you've heard nothing but bad things and they confirm all of those bad things, that's a completely different story. Right. <laughs> but you don't know, like, you don't know what people have actually been through. You don't know what they what they've gone through that had brought them to the place that they're at now. hundred percent. Excuse me. I mean, um, like, so uh, my band literally just scored um, a crazy tour. Like we're we're playing with Johnny Craig. Okay. And it's it's that that thing where like immediately I had that like knee jerk reaction of, oh well, this is the person that did this thing and did this and and is an addict and whatever. And it's like no man, it 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 you have I have to take that out. And just talk to him once. Like, he's still a person. He He's still somebody that deserves at least a chance to show me who they actually are and not who I think they are. Right. And, you know, and, and, and I know a lot of pe- people personally who've had awful experiences with this dude. So it's like, I could let that color my color my my uh my opinion of him but like also when you're going on the road with somebody it's not exactly a great idea to be like oh fuck this dude like <laughs> like even even if there's every reason in the world to say that that's not the kind of energy you should be bringing into a conversation like when the same thing that we were talking about like working at a bar and you see a guy being a piece of shit your your job is to actually avoid having any physical altercation is to avoid a fight yeah so you're you're actively trying to make sure that you can talk to this person like a person yeah like i can visit physically see you do some terrible shit and be like but it's now my duty to at least try to reason with you in order to as we said get you to do one of two things fix your behavior or you get the fuck out yeah and so it's it's important to be able to like to to separate those things because you know you 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 have to you have to maintain that level of humility because you don't know what other people are going through. Like I, I, I've had a lot of struggles in my life with, as I said, like with my nerve damage, with literally being on the spectrum with drug addiction. Like I have gone through a lot. (laughs) So it, it, it's important to make sure that Everyone is 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 kind of at least heard out to to a point. Well, I feel like a, a, a 
kind of bigger talking point that a lot of people don't want to address because it's sort of puts the puts it back on them to a degree. But, you know, in a situation we'll say like with Johnny Craig, like obviously for the most part, I'm assuming anyone who's listened to this knows what he's done. If not quickly Google his name, you'll find out. Um, you'll probably find about nine results that say MacBook. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Johnny MacBook. Um, but it's, it's one of those where I think it speaks to a bigger thing of like, okay, you know, you, you've kind of said throughout this whole thing of, you know, I didn't like who I was. Now there is someone, or there are probably many people who knew you then, and that's who you always will be to them because they probably won't take the time to get to know you. And that's not entirely wrong because you were that person. But I think the thing, I think the thing that we as a society and a culture are bad at is we never are allow someone to grow beyond that. Like, you know, I had a nickname in high school and there's very few people who still call me that, but it's one of those where I, when I see those people and they call me that, like, especially people I'm not really friends with anymore. I'm like, Oh, like that's who I'm, that's who I always will be to you is, is that person, even though I've lived, you know, that's 20, almost 20 years ago. Like I would hope that you're not the same person as you were in high school. Cause if that was the case, that's really sad for you. Um, but secondly, like, it's one of those where I, I don't think people I don't feel like at times we believe that people can change. And until you kind of, I think, go through a giant metamorphosis yourself or have seen one happen firsthand, I think you don't understand what it's like to just kind of always be viewed at, at in this capacity. And, you know, I think a, a bigger one, you know, for me was Tim, you know, from as dying and a lot of people because I always without getting into a long drawn out story, I went through something with a friend where, you know, they ended up having to go to prison and stuff like that. And to see the comments and the, the crucifix, like getting crucified in the online comments about things about this person attacking their, their integrity, who they are as a person. And I'm like, you don't know this fucking person at all. And like to know what I saw and know things that I know firsthand that no one will ever know because it never got out. But it's one of those where, you know, seeing kind of the Tim thing through a prism of a lens of what of my own experience, you know, when Tim got out, everyone was like, Oh, he didn't serve enough time. And it's like, well, who are you to say? He, I know he didn't serve his full sentence, but he was, a, he was out on good behavior. So if you don't think that that is, you don't think that the people who are in place who make these decisions are making the right ones, then I think it it's not necessarily about the person. You don't believe that the like potentially it comes down to you don't think the rehabilitation process works, which if that's the case, then that's a completely bigger talking talking point than anything else. And it's one of those where to me that is a bigger thing. And and you know, all along, you know, I had made the comment, I was like, Tim was all roided out. And they're like, so? And I was like, you don't think that putting a chemical into your body that literally changes your your body is going to affect you mentally. And they're like, no. And I was like, so someone who does heroin and steals shit and then gets clean and sober. Now they're fine because they've changed. And I go, but they literally were doing the same thing. They put something into their body and now you, you use in that. It's just, well, that's not who they really are because they, they were on these things, these circumstances. And it's like, so why is it okay for this person to be a shit person do horrible things, but then turn their life around and you go, okay, I forgive. And then I forget. And I'll let you, back into my life i'll let you you know become the person you're trying to be but this person over here well they're they're never forgivable and it's like again you can't have it it's not black and white like that like you have to if you say a heroin addict who does horrible things lies cheats steals does all these things 
if you're willing to forgive that person and let them rehabilitate and become the person that they were before or whatever, then why can't this other person? And the only thing that I feel like it comes down to is, is really a in entertainment as a whole, because we, like you said earlier, we put these people on a pedestal. We build all these people up because we want to see them fall because then we can go, Oh, I'm better than you because I didn't do that or whatever. And it gives, I think it gives us collectively this, this sense of, I don't want to say entitlement, but I think it gives us a sense of just knowing that you're better than some per, the perception that you're better than someone. Because I mean, it comes down like it comes right back to like the 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 idea of like people just the holier than thou. Like it's just people wanting to make themselves feel better about who they are because they feel that they are better than someone else. Yeah, and like. not only from firsthand experience, but like I have, I there, my family, there's a history of, of addiction. My dad's been sober at this point, I think almost 35 years. Wow. Um, but this was after he left my mom for eight years. Mm. He and my mother were together for a while and he was pissed drunk and he slept with somebody else at a party that he was with my mom at. <laughs> like, like this is something that most people would would consider un an unforgivable thing. Right. And my dad spent 8 years wallowing and doing all these things he like he got married, he got divorced, he was he and and he had his rock bottom moment and and was like, "You know what? I need to get to rehab. Like I can't live like this." And as he was in rehab, he realized, like, as he was making amends and, 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 you know, going through, through his processes, he, he kind of realized he was like, I let the love of my life go. Mm. He's like, the person that I cared about the most in this world, I let them go because I was drunk and I just, I, I, I was drunk and horny and I was an idiot. Like, it, it, it it's about not letting those things be the thing that defines you. Like you don't, you don't know who you're going to be on, as you said, like on, on any substance, yeah, alcohol, heroin, steroids, you don't know you are as, as like literally, as you said, you're taking a chemical and putting it into your body. That is literally changing the chemical makeup of your body. Yeah. You're not always that person. And like it, you are actively changing who you are by, by that thing. And sometimes it can have, you know, no effect at all. Sometimes it can, it can be, or not no effect, but like sometimes it, it's a positive effect where it's like, Oh, I, you know, when 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 certain people drink they just they they open up they feel more comfortable because the 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 veil has been lifted in a lot of ways now like in my in my journey like learning that i shouldn't need a substance to lift that veil right like that was that was the thing that i needed to learn was 
I shouldn't have to drink to be able to talk to people. I shouldn't be able to, I shouldn't have to, you know, snort a line of clonopin to get on stage. <laughs> <laughs> like, these are things that I, I don't need to be who I am. <laughs> but it also goes back to like the people who met me when I was doing those things. And when I was that person, that's who I'm going to be to them forever. And it's something that I have to live with too. It's something that I have to sit here and be like, who I was, I didn't like. And, and likely a lot of people didn't like that person either. So I can't blame anyone for feeling how they feel about who I was or what I did. Cause I, I, pro I probably feel the same way now that they did when they met me. <laughs> and it, it's, as I said, it's, it's important to at least give, give that person a chance. And like, and especially with, like we were talking about with heroin, like, Relapsing is so easy. It is so easy to fall back in, into those holes, man. It, it, you, you get into a really dark place and your body go and your body starts telling your brain and your brain starts telling your body. You're like, Hey, we never felt like this when we were drinking. We yeah. never felt like this when we were railing lines. We never felt like this, et cetera, et cetera. Let's go back to that other thing. Like when you when you don't necessarily have all of the coping mechanisms, when you haven't been to a therapist to help you find those things to navigate your life in a way that's safe, you're going to go back to what you know. So like when you talk about people who have done these awful things etc you 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 don't know where they've been you don't know what their thought process was right or wrong that's actually not the point right whether they did something that like as you were talking about with with him like roid rage is fucking is, is real <laughs> and and if and if this dude was so roided out that he was like, I've got a good idea. I'm going to hire someone to kill my wife. Like that doesn't necessarily mean that this is a bad person. This means that they had one bad day and one bad day can shape your life forever. Yeah. If you fall in into that, that pattern and you, you let those things take hold of you, it can ruin your life forever. And that is something that you have to learn. That's not something that we, that, 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 that you can be told. And you're like, you know what? You're right. Next time I'm in that place, I'm going to make sure I don't do this thing. Like, no, <laughs> you, you have to get there yourself. And the journey back to being a normal fucking person is a lot harder than anybody like gives credit to. And especially when, when you've lived most of your life, like drinking every day or, you know, most of your life fucking doing opiates, like 
you you kind of have to relearn how to be a person. And we were kids, so we don't really remember what it was like forming our identities in in a lot of ways. Yeah. But having to re-identify yourself at any point in your life is not going to be an easy thing. And we kind of have to, as a culture, like, I, I am all aboard the, the, like, there, there are times where I'm like all aboard the cancel train where it's like, no, this person is a repeat offender. Doesn't matter what state of mind they're in. This is what they do. This has been repeatedly shown that this is who they are. Now, if they go through a thing, if they go through a court case and they are arrested and convicted, etc. And they come out of it realizing fuck, who I was was awful. And you're still holding them to the standard of who they were before. I mean, look at Robert Downey Jr. This dude had to go to prison to be like Oh shit, I was fucked up, dog. It, like you 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 have to get to that moment where you really realize that what you're doing is wrong and that you're not doing it for other people cuz that's that's another thing that happens with <clears throat> that I found like with with getting sober and trying to change things about yourself that when you do it for someone else oh, it doesn't stick. Reason. No. It's not going to like it's it it's when when you're like for instance if if I were having drug issues when I like if I were back to having drug issues and I were and and I were like super successful and famous or whatever like there is a point where not everything is black and white like it it it's like that that thing is like if I were super famous and I'm like, oh, I have to get sober for my image. Mm. That doesn't mean you're doing it for yourself. That means that you're doing it because you think you have to. Not because you feel that you have to. Not because you you have that moment where you're like, this person that I am that I am right now, this person I have become, whatever, whatever way you want to say it is not who I want to be anymore. That's that that's that's the that for me is the moment where you're like, okay, maybe there is something here. And but every everybody's got their own journey. Every everybody has been through their own personal hells. So there are things that are unforgivable, sure, but they're only unforgivable if if you show no remorse for that. Right. If you if you are not actively doing the work and putting in the time to be like, no, this is the thing I have to change, then you know what? Everyone has has the right to 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 their own opinions and and if they see that you're not 
putting in the effort that you're just doing the same thing every time. That's the way they're going to form form their opinion. And that's why people, some people stay, stay canceled just no matter what, because they're not putting in the work. But also, as we said, there's the, the other side to that where people stay canceled even when they put in the work. Yeah. But it's actually up to you to not let that bother you because it's other people's perspective. It's about how you see yourself and you understand what they see. Like that's that that's that's the flip of it is that not only do you know how you see yourself, but you also have to understand why people are seeing what they're seeing or thinking what they're thinking about you. Yeah. It's a you know, it it it's a lot more complicated and complicated of an issue than we as a society give it credit for. Like we are very quick, as you were saying, to 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 defy and cancel and be like, oh, this is this is it. This person did that thing, or this person is the problem. Like it's not always the case. There's You know, the, the, the idea of saying that there's two sides to every story, that's not really true. There are way more than two sides to every story. Yeah. And you also have to realize the word in itself that you're using, like the language you're using to a story. A story is what we tell children. A story is what... what what if I were at the bar and we and I'd be like, oh, I got to tell you about this time that this thick crazy thing happened. <laughs> That's a story. Yeah. Not my entire life. Yeah. So it's it it, it it's a it's a really slippery slope with 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 all of this. Like I I can't say that I don't think that people who perpetrate horrible things shouldn't receive punishment for that thing but that doesn't mean that after the punishment they can't change they can't realize oh i definitely should not have done any of those things yeah it it's it's not it's not as cut and dry as as anyone likes to think it is <clears throat> <clears throat> Kind of shifting topics because you will have been one of the few people that I've had on where I could talk about this. So the the last, as we now know it to be, the last two Every Time I Die shows. Um, I assume with you living so close, uh, you've probably been to other Christmas shows and had seen the band, obviously. I think you and I were like... I think I, at that point I was like, Oh, this will be like with these two shows. Technically I think it puts me at like 38 and 39 or whatever of seeing them. And I just saw them, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the second date of the tour that they were doing. Um, did it feel to you when, after the first set that it took about six, seven songs to, to sort of start feeling like it was a normal show. Cause like there was nothing said on stage. It was just literally, if you've been to a show, you know that that band flies all around each other, all over the stage. And I couldn't help but notice that just even in the presentation of the show, <laughs> that it felt like a band that was having problems because everyone kind of kept to themselves for once, which is not normal. So 
I can only speak to the second show because um, the first show I, so I was in Buffalo before the show. That's when we met. Yep. Um, But actually uh, one of the, one of the people who raised me, uh, my, my, my best friend's mom who like actually um, brought me into Japanese culture and like helped teach me the language and taught me a lot about the culture and the food. And it's actually why, like one of the things I like what, what I do for a living when I'm not making music is I like, I, I make Japanese food and I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sake sam. Like I, I, I devoted myself to this culture because I was raised by this woman who accepted me and raised me as if, as, as her other kid. Like the name that she called me is, it was Jiro which literally means second son. Mm. Uh, which probably made my best friend's younger brother not feel great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but like, I, I was always, she, I was always welcome. And uh, so, and she had actually passed away uh, earlier that week. So I missed the show because I had to go down to, to um, uh, her cremation ceremony and, and, and be with the family but I literally um, woke up the next morning at fuck o'clock a.m. to get back to Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, once 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 hardcore scum, always hardcore scum. Uh, <laughs> like I I immediately was like, no, I gotta get back to the show. Um, but it so I missed the first night. But I will say that when I watched them the second time, like I was wrapped up in just being able to see them Mm -hmm. that and, and get out the things that I needed to get out from, you know, losing a parent essentially like she was my other mother. She used to make me call her mom. So it, 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 I, I lost my other mom and it, it, it was something that I was, I was kind of moshing through, if you will. Uh, Like, and, uh, but, but once we got to, to eat it, it, it definitely had like an, an eerie feel to it. But as you said, like it, it was, it started one way and ended another. Like it started off where it was like, you'll feel a little separated from each other. And then as the show went on, it was like, oh, this, this is back to feeling like eat it back to feeling like the band and I don't think when that show ended I thought that that was the end Mm. I think that I felt that there was turmoil and things were going on but I don't think I registered that this was this was it um like and and as I as as you were saying, like it definitely felt a little off at first, but because of the way it ended, I I was like, oh, you know, bands get in fights with each other. Like when you spend every waking moment with a dude in a van for God knows how long, eventually they're gonna learn where your buttons are and they're gonna fucking press them. <laughs> Like it, it, it just happens. Like the, the dudes that I, that I've worked with, 
are some of my favorite people on the planet Earth. But that doesn't mean that they haven't found my buttons. Doesn't mean that at some point I, I wasn't like, if no one's looking, I'll just fucking throw them out of the van and no one will care. Like, like <laughs> there's, a, there's a certain point where like you get stir crazy and being with the same people all the time gets to you. But you also have that realization where you're like, these are still, this is still my band. These are still the guys that I've chosen to do this with. This is, these are still like my chosen family. Right. But also <laughs> there's, there's, there is the flip side of that where it's like, you know, you, you, especially like, especially with them where they were actual family. <laughs> Yeah, like this isn't just oh we're we're in a band together. They've been together their entire lives. Yeah, like that that kind of shit is huge, and especially like as we as we were talking about earlier, like if you're trying to make a change in your life, you have to be considerate about a uh, considerate a uh, considerate of everyone around you because you are you are effectively not the person you were two years ago or even two weeks ago yeah and and it 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 it, it sucks to see something that i love so dearly be torn apart but it, it it's like it's also a part of life. Like sometimes shit just hits the fan. Um, and it, and there's nothing really you can do about it. And it's, it's the, uh, it's funny. I, because my dad, uh, was sober for so long. I grew up around the serenity prayer, like that, that idea of surrendering yourself to the things you cannot change. And like, there there's an element of that kind of necess necessary to to even look at the way things happened it's like there there's nothing you could do about it you could sit here and be like oh well it's keith's fault oh well it's jordan's fault oh well it's not the point like something happened that caused a rift and now we have all lost something for it and it sucks like realizing that that is the last time I'm likely ever going to see that band play sucks. I grew up like I grew up seeing them. I, I used to come up to Buffalo just to see them. You know, I I'd hop on a fucking mega bus and be like, Oh, they're 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 playing at fucking Mohawk. They're playing at Town Ballroom. Like, let's I'm gonna go because I don't have anything else to do. Right. <laughs> and and so that they were they were such a big part of my life and and even not even just my life, but they were a big part of the scene. Like there are so many bands that also wouldn't be who they are without these guys. Yeah. Like I know that that what I do wouldn't be what it is 
without, and not even just musically, like their stage presence, the way that they conducted themselves as a band, like there are things that I would never be doing now if I, if I hadn't been, you know, if I hadn't pretty much grown up seeing these, these guys play, like, I mean, for fuck's sake, I did a disco gig the other day and I crowd surfed. <laughs> I was wearing like three inch pla- white platform heels, bell bottoms, like the whole thing. I looked like you like ripped me out of the back alley behind Studio 54. But I was crowd surfing. Because <laughs> it's like, cause that's, that's how like there there are just certain things that like are so intrinsic to to who we are as musicians and as people that we we just soak up it's little yeah. things like that and like that's and like going back and reflecting on realizing that now i'm like you know it did seem like they were a little off when they started and it did seem like this this and this and like when they did all of the um all the, like the the day after um yep the serial stuff and all that and Keith was AWOL it was like you know that was that for me was like oh maybe maybe I'm not gonna see them ever again and I I guess I was just trying to be optimistic about it where I was like, oh, you know, the, maybe they'll just take a big, they'll they'll take a break after their next tour because they already have everything lined up. Like, they'll do these shows and then they'll they'll take a, a hiatus to kind of figure out what the fuck is going on. And then and then everything just fell apart and it was like, it it's it was watching a car crash, but it was watching a car crash of people you really cared about i think the thing as i've i mean in doing this and in kind of befriending people (laughs) who you know knew the guys and so forth in in various levels whether it be professionally or or uh, actual friendship ways it was kind of weird because after the initial thing started happening short, like probably a week or so after the show here in, in Grand Rapids, <clears throat> um, you know, I was kind of getting fed through the pipeline. Like, yeah, it's bad. It's yeah, it's, it's real bad. Um, to where, you know, obviously we had tickets for the Christmas show. Wasn't sure if it was going to happen. It did end up happening. I saw the first show. And I wanted to go see some other friends that, you know, Patrick has a, a bar in Buffalo that I wanted to go check out. Uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, another friend that I've met from Buffalo literally lives right above it. So serendipitous <laughs> that I decided to go to that and go do that. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, ice ice's set was about to happen. And I just kind of looked at my life, wife and I was like, let's go after this. And she was like, yeah. And I go, yeah, let's go after this. She goes, you don't want to stick around for for any of the set, the the Easy set. And I was like, no. I was like, last night was kind of weird. It got better. I don't know how today is going to be, 
but I'd rather have my memories of the band be what I remember the band to always have been, which is fun to be an escape for, for a room full of people, the community that they built over the 20 some odd years that they've been together. I go. And in that capacity, I got all that last night. It wasn't a hundred percent how I wanted it to be, but I have more good memories than I, than I, I want to have bad. And even, a slight show like last night's will kind of tarnish it for me. So I don't want that. I'd rather it be, I want to go on on a high note. So ice team was, you know, he played his set. It was fucking great. I had a great time. It's the second time I got to see him do a rap set. And then we left and I went and hung out with, you know, Patrick at his bar and ended up meeting up with my friend for a little bit. And it was one of those where it's like, I think it kind of takes, takes a differing perspective to understand that potentially what you're seeing is the realization of, like you said, being around someone so fucking long uh, that it's essentially, you know, as you're talking about with, with your extended family, basically of this is your extended family. These, these aren't, you know, your bandmates, they're your brothers They're And in this case, literally one of them is your brother. Um, but it's one of those where there's just so much history, so much time together that unfortunately, you know, I had made the comment to someone, I forget who, um, but I was like, you know, we never heard anything bad about the band. Like no one ever had any problems that you heard of no rehabs. No, this person was unceremoniously kicked out like nothing. Um, and to see it just kind of go up in flames so fast, it was like, you know, I think Keith kind of said it best. This was kind of probably how it was always going to happen because we never showed any signs of, of fatigue or wear and tear. We just kind of kept soldiering on and we were the band that always was going to be there and you can count on us until you couldn't. And it kind of was a weird way to realize that like, that's sort of life too. Like the, the, the way that that band existed and what they did was so pure. And so, and so many of us, I would say, if you were to ask the same question of like, you know, how did you feel about the band, you know, breaking up or, you know, how things ended that it's like, you know, we got really great music, really cathartic music, uh, especially the last handful of records where I feel like it tapped into something of being an adult. Um, and I don't know that, you know, if the band would have put out low teens where gutter phenomenon was, where all I wanted to do was fucking party and have a good time. Like, it's funny when I look back at their discography, how it really kind of aligns with my life and where I was. Um, and to, to kind of literally grow with a band, it's like, I don't, I mean, in my age, I don't really know that I'm going to get to grow with a band anymore. Uh, not like that. Not where they're almost in a simpatico kind of relationship where it's like, you guys aren't much older than me. And so we're kind of hitting a lot of these things together, you know, hearing a song, you know, like uh, underwater bimbos from space and knowing that, you know, it kind of was a reflection of Keith going like, I'd come home and all these people have done everything. Like, you know, they have kids, they have houses, they have all these things. And, I don't. And I feel like I'm perpetually living as an adolescent because of my career, which is actually what it is, even though societally and maybe from my friend's perspective, it's not. And as I look back on those lyrics and those times, I kind of realized that that was sort of me. Like I wasn't finding my way in a, a career in music, but like I was so ensconced in it. And I always kind of wanted something a little left of center than what the normal thing was. Yep. And so in, in that, and in that band, collectively you kind of saw yourself reflected in a lot of different ways, you know, everyone kind of getting to do 
other things that made them happy. You know, like you have the intellect and Keith and, you know, he reads all these books. And so therefore it kind of stimulates that part of your brain, you know, Jordan being more of an artist uh, as well as a musician kind of stimulate, like you see yourself in that, you know, seeing Andy kind of being like, I love wrestling and some of these weird things, old movies. It's like, all right, I see myself in him, you know, Mitch kind of being the, the, the man of many side hustles. It's like, Oh my God. That's <laughs> me. And then, you know, something kind of right in the middle where it's changed, you know, between, uh, rat boy and uh, legs and, and goose and even Daniel that it's like, you know, you see what each of them brought to the band and their different iterations or eras of the band. And again, it's just hard not to see yourself in that band represented. Um, and that throughout it all, it was, it was always kind of a us against everybody. And we do this uncompromisingly uh, because we need to. And yeah, in a lot of ways, we, like, yeah, I, well, I was going to say, like, uh, just a quick interge interjection is like, yeah, I think one of the, the hard things about it is that even though we, you know, some of us were at some some of us were actually friends with the guys, but like, it felt like we lost our friends. Yeah. Like we. And, and exactly what you're saying is like. I grew up with them, but I as as you were saying that I didn't realize how much those words actually meant is like, it's not that, that I just grew up with them around. I actually like grew up with this music kind of vaguely hitting a, a lot of the, the points in my life and, and the struggles as well as the high points and like, and things like that. Like as, as you were just saying, you know, Keith struggling with, you know, being in a band and having that be his career, but not have, have other people view it as, a viable way to continue like i i didn't go to college i i went right from high school i started playing gigs and working in restaurants that's immediately what i did out of school and like there's a there's tons of things that i think you know if i had lived a more conventional life if i had gone to college and and gotten the degree or whatever would what would i be doing sure i could i could you know go down that path all, all day long but really it's just <clears throat> it it it's it, it's also about like just kind of keep that forward mo motion and that's that's why it like as you said, like we we weren't expecting this because we'd never heard anything very specifically. Like obviously, there's been like little fights here and there. Um, if you were like privy to said information, and like there that the, there was shit that that happened, but that happens with everybody, right? You know, I as 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 I said, like you spend enough time with somebody, eventually you're gonna want to punch them in the face. Whether <laughs> you do or not is is a, is a different story. But hell, there are people I have punched in the face that are still my friends. Like, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, so like, it, it, you, you really honestly put it into perspective for me because I didn't, I don't think I, I put it that succinctly. And, Realizing like with the things that that ha that were happening in low teens and the feelings that were coming through through low teens. <clears throat> Excuse me. They they thank you. They um 
these last two records were cathartic. There was there was a lot more adult emotion, like things that 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 we feel as as adults that we we have to reconcile with that obviously was not the subject matter of albums previous. <laughs> no. Um but it always kind of been there. Um and it's it's it the the whole situation sucks. It it just does. <laughs> but it also, you know, things change and there's nothing really you can do about it. Pe- people grow, people shrink. It just, it happens. And it sucks that it happened to somebody, to, to, to people that we had grown to associate with this stability almost. We've, we'd grown to associate these guys with always being there and always being the band we could count on. So when this all happened, that that's as as, as you said, like it felt like the it like it, it felt like the rugs being pulled out from under us. But you know, also these things have been there for a while and they just weren't addressed. Yeah, I think it's it's the first time I've really. Other than, and I'll tell you when we're done here in a, in a couple of minutes, but um, it's one of the few times where I felt like a product of divorce, even though I, my parents are still together. So I don't, I don't know what that's like, but it's definitely what I feel like it probably is like because it starts the well, whose side are you taking? And even though at this point there's no new music out from either side, it almost feels like a sense of like, well. I have to only whatever side I choose is the side I choose forever. And it's like the only time that I I've, I've made this comment to some friends and I go, you know, I don't want kids. My wife and I aren't going to have any, but I had made the comment a while ago. I was like, you know, I sometimes feel like in healthy versions of this children that are products of divorce actually probably get to live a, a, a a better life. And I feel like it's a better life for even the parents because you get to have that part of you that you feel like you sort of lose where you get to kind of go do whatever you want to do for a couple of days or, or whatever the, the situation looks like for you and your other, your significant other with child uh, care and all that. But I feel like it's like, because then when I get my kid that I, I, I want that time, I'm, I'm craving that time because I haven't seen you. And then there doesn't have, there isn't that fatigue of, man, I just, I don't, I want to go do this, but I can't because I got to spend time with the the wife and the kid and, and you're kind of being pulled in a couple of different directions. And I know that there are a lot of parents that probably are able to do it just fine. But I feel like at times I see that and I go, I feel like it's actually almost a little bit better. It may be like parents, couples who are together who have kids. I almost wonder if there's a way that you could utilize what do, like parents of divorce kind of go or parents who are divorced kind of go through and find a, a happier balance of, you know what? You go take your day to day or whatever. I'll take mine in a couple of days. You watch the kid, whatever. You kind of live that that life without having to kind of go through the the heartbreak and all of that kind of stuff of it. But I feel like at that point, it just is. It's a win 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 for everybody from what I've seen. And I feel like it's. I it's, mean, if it's handled correctly, and, I, and I, I see exactly what, what, what correct. If it's handled correctly, yes. 
Yeah, I think exactly what you're saying. But also, like, as somebody who is not a child of divorce, but has tons of friends who are, pretty much every person that I know who's a child of divorce, it was a battlefield. It was... It it was well, you're used as all, leverage from what I get, but yeah, like it, well, and that that's that exactly like you're you're used as leverage or like um one of my one one of my friends like um with one of her parents she she felt like she was less than hmm. because even though like even though she hadn't. It it was like one of her parents had, had was like had felt like they'd already chosen the side, so they they felt like they already lost the kid, so they were they were kind of shitty about it. They were kind of like, oh well, you know, you're with your other parents, so like you you enjoy that time more than you do with me, and it's like, did I ever say that? Did that right. ever come out of my mouth? No. But it, it, like, but I do, I do see what you're talking about. Like, especially with this, where you, we're having to, or feeling like you have to choose. Yeah. Is, I mean, in general, having to choose between two things that you care about is is never a thing that that's fun. I mean, for fuck's sake, there's a movie about it called Sophie's Choice. Uh, <laughs> like, like that's that's not a thing that you ever want to fucking do, right? So, like, when when you're forced to make that decision, either be it through divorce or, you know, having having your friends break up, and you're like, what the fuck am I gonna do now? Like, yeah. if you're if you're friends with both of those people individually, and then you're like. Oh shit! Well, uh, I guess we're fucked. <laughs> like, um, but it either way, it's it it sucks no matter what way you put it. <laughs> yeah, like you're that that that, and that and, and that's kind of the the that that I see is more like where we're at with with each of is that like e- either way you throw it, it's just kind of a shitty situation. Absolutely. Um, well, I know you got to get ready for work and I got to go do the same here in a minute or two. Um, where can everyone find you or anything that you would like to plug that's online that people can follow and yes. keep up with you? Um, so my, uh, my band is called no chance for closure. Um, you can find us Instagram, Facebook, follow us on, on all of the things, Spotify, whatever we are everywhere. Cause these days you kind of have to be. Uh, and then um, my personal Instagram is uh, uh, Jbat the Cryptid, um, just because my entire life I've been bigger than all the people around me, so I've always been called <laughs> either a Yeti or a Sasquatch. So, uh, so I, I kind of just leaned into it. I'm like, yeah, I'm a fucking cryptid. <laughs> like, I was like, maybe one day I'll be a Skinwalker. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, the. But that's uh so that's Jbat the Cryptid. You can follow me on on Instagram. Um, my the restaurant that I mostly do my stuff at in New York City is Moonrise Izakaya. Like, and and honestly, like if anybody wants to talk about any of the things we talked about today with me, reach out, dude. I'm as as somebody who's also a bar person. Like, I'm always down to talk. So yeah. 
Well, I'm glad we finally got to a chance to do this in light of the bar ruining it for me many, many times. Actually, it almost happened again today. I was like, <laughs> my other door guy who was supposed to work tonight is like, hey, man, I got swamped at work, my day job. Can you work tonight? And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm going to go into a show later. So sorry, man. Anyway. Yeah, I would I would have just hit him for the uh, with, with the the Randy Jackson. The that's going to be a no from me, dog. Like, just send him the gif. <laughs> well, he helped me out when I got sick, really sick a couple of weeks ago or about a month or two ago. And I was like, I, I can't do it. Can you use cover for me? So I, I I owe him one, but I also was like, I can't do it tonight. Like another yeah, well, time. Yeah, but also like there's there's, there's owing somebody one. And like sometimes you just can't follow yeah. through. Like I, I would do anything that I could, but that also means if I can. Yeah. Yep. Well, it was great chatting with you and I'm sure we'll be in, in contact after this. Oh regardless. yeah. That, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> So that was my conversation with Josh. Again, I want to thank him for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, essentially, a stranger he met in a bar and then kind of revealed. It's so weird because sometimes, like, you know, I think we we as people are apt to call them setbacks or um, diseases or or all of these things. But I, sometimes I don't, I don't know if I feel that way. Um, I know I talk constantly with my friends and so forth about, you know, growing up with a cleft lip and palate and a lot of the surgeries and the adversities kind of I went through uh, to overcome a lot of those things uh, of my childhood and whatnot. And I look back and I'm like, it's it's weird because when I talk to some people, you know, they say like, oh, that's so, you know, you went through so much. You're so you're so brave as a kid or as a person or whatever. And to me, it's like, well, it's just what you go through. Uh, it's it's, you know, I kind of had to um, you don't you look at it differently than I think others do from the outside because it's just what you deal with. It's what you've known. And so I don't necessarily look at some of these things as a limitation, as a setback. I mean, they obviously are for, for various reasons, but um, it is one of those where, you know, hearing Josh open up and, and, you know, as he kind of told me after the fact, um, you know, he's never really talked about his addictions. He's never talked about um, some of the, the things that he's gone through in his life that he talked about in this chat. And I was really surprised um, but it was kind of reaffirming because, you know, a lot of people tell me, and, and I'm vocalizing this because I know there are probably others who go through this as well. And I, I want maybe people to understand, uh, how to be better at this, which is, you know, a lot of people have told me that getting people to open up and so forth is a skill. And, and I don't, I'm learning to feel better about like, yes, that is a skill because I don't think it's a skill to learn how to communicate. I think everyone can do it. Um, I think, you know, some are better than others and I don't think I'm necessarily the best at it, but I have learned and I've been learning to take compliments as they come, but I've also tried to be more comfortable in, in realizing that I have something that maybe others don't and that that's what makes me unique. <clears throat> you know, I constantly say that everyone's got a story and everyone has something unique about them but it's funny that when I think about myself, I don't feel like I have that. Um, I had actually just had a conversation with, uh, I think, my wife the other day. And it was how I was saying, you know, a lot of people want to be kind of the alpha person. Um, that, you know, their opinion is the, the the main one that, you know, everyone listens to and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I kind of likened it to sports because, you know, I'm very big into various sports, team sports, especially, but I was like, you know, sometimes you do have that de facto number one person. And I go, but you can't have a whole team of that. That doesn't work. Like you need to find people who 
wannabe role players as they're called. And I feel like that's, that's something that I'm good at. I, th I feel is I'm good at setting people up to be successful. Um, being a good cheerleader of sorts as well. And, you know, being comfortable within your role and, and, you know, it doesn't mean that that role can't change, but that's kind of the role I play. I feel like a lot in my life for other people. Um, but I'm, I'm learning to be better at taking compliments and, and taking praise and kind of being more, um, self-confident uh, in myself. And I think that was something that kind of also, I think comes through in this conversation with Josh is that, you know, we both have found our way through something that we're passionate about, but we've also found the strength to be more of us and, and to be happy with yourself, I guess, and, you know, happy with the things you do and, and to know that you, you provide something for somebody and that you should be, uh, you know, stoked on that. You should want to kind of embrace that a little more and, and maybe be a little, not braggy, but be a bit more, uh, excited about these things and, and to kind of lean into them more. Um, <clears throat> speaking of leaning into more, uh, I really do want to talk about this beer I had. Um, so the other day I bought, and I posted on our socials, but I had this, I bought a random six pack of beer. As you know, I am often to do. And so I ended up finding this company, 450 North Brewing. And what drew me initially was this place I go to called Ricci's. Um, they posted their new cold, uh, beverage section uh, for the areas of beer that are pre like in the freezers or uh, coolers uh, that you can buy that are already cold. And the thing that about this that looked interesting was, you know, it had like these marshmallows and these like cookies, but everything of 450 North kind of leans into weed. Um, so the, the cookies that are on this, this can are weed shaped. Um, and it's called the, the can was called fluffables. And this was a slush mallow fluffable. And it was one of those where it's a strawberry marshmallow shortcake slushy. Um, and it was crazy how much it tasted like that. Like, you know, very recently I was talking about the, the cherry funfetti birthday cake sour beer and how much I love that. And that no one had really kind of gotten that perfect cake flavor for me in a beer. Well, I'm here to tell you this one a few weeks later, I'm eating my words or I should say I'm drinking them. But this thing was really good, and I'm really glad it was. And thanks to a friend of the of the podcast for uh, sending me a gift card to Rishi's, uh, because uh, at almost ten dollars a can, I don't think I would have gotten it by myself. Because um, that's that's really where I start drawing the line of of like what I'm willing to spend on a beer. But uh, this is an incredible new new to me brewery, and I'm very excited to uh, try more of their stuff. Uh, obviously, it's not infused with THC or, or CBDs or anything. Um, so I think it's just clever branding on their part, but, uh, it was a really delicious beer. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't super thick. Like I thought it would be based on looking at it to me. Um, it was nice and sweet. It's definitely one of those. I don't think I would have like, I'm not going to sit down and drink six or seven of them, especially not at that price point. Um, but it is definitely one of those where it's fun to, to try it. Uh, I had some friends over, they tried it, they loved it too. And it was one of those where it's like, that's the fun of getting a beer like that is to, to share it and, uh, to kind of share new things with people, which is what this conversation with Josh kind of was all about. Um, so wrapping up this episode, if you would like to keep up with Josh, you can find him at jbat.batista on Facebook. Uh, you can find him at jbatthecrypted on Instagram. Uh, I didn't find him on Twitter. Um, 
That could just be, I'm spelling something wrong, I'm, although not, but I uh, didn't find him there. Uh, and if you would like to keep up with his band, you can go to nochanceforclosure.com. Uh, like I said, they're hitting the road with Johnny Craig. And uh, I know the Emo Night Brooklyn stuff is still going on. I know he is making the way out here to Grand Rapids uh, for the Emo Night Brooklyn thing. Um, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if someone from Michigan or the surrounding area maybe came down and did that because it seems like they always have guests uh, performing at those things. So uh, keep up with him. See what he's doing. Check him out. And hopefully this uh, this chat endears you to him. And you can kind of see why you know we kind of felt this connection, or I did initially, sitting at one of my favorite dive bars in Buffalo, New York. Uh, and wanted to have a, a further conversation with him. So uh, thanks for checking this out. Uh, if you would like to keep up with the podcast, simple enough, Bruce Speak Pod everywhere. Uh, if you would like to keep up and support the show monetarily, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. Thanks to our sponsors. Once again, Rockabilia, use our code brutally at checkout. Save 10% off your total purchase order. On Point Palmade, use our code BSP15, take 15% off your purchase order. And last but not least, the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee. If you happen to be in the Buffalo, New York area, go to the brick and mortar store. Uh, there are some things that we are working on together. I think you can infer from that what you will, uh, but we're in the infancy stages of that. I'd also at this point like to shout out that you'll probably have already seen it on our socials for the Patreon people. It hasn't been announced yet, so you are literally seeing the, the six-pack uh, that has been revealed. That is what I've been teasing. <clears throat> I am doing a monthly curated six-pack at Rishi's uh, where I pick beers, uh, and then typically you will see a little synopsis of why I pick them. And uh, I'm hoping that it will kind of uh, allow people to maybe explore uh, the world of crap beer and, and ciders and all of those kind of things uh, and, and try things that maybe you wouldn't uh, based on me picking them for you. So it's something I've been long wanting to do. And after seeing uh, Vox and Hops basically doing theirs, you know, I kind of had the idea to do the similar thing. And uh, I'm very excited to roll this out. I love Rishi's as a store. Uh, it's where I typically go to get my stuff. And couldn't be happier to have a home to kind of do this and curate a monthly uh, six-pack. So uh, if you live in the area, um, please go pick it up. I'm usually trying to make it very cost-efficient at about $20, $25 for a six-pack. Uh, while still offering you plenty of awesome beers from all over and a, a slightly different beer, uh, not just always like here's all the stouts, here's all the porters, here's all the IPAs and so forth, but a nice, well-rounded pack. Um, so there will be more talked about probably that about that. And uh, yeah, and for the Brutally Speaking podcast, I am John, and I will talk to you all next week. We have John from Moontooth on. That was a really fun chat. I uh, had just seen the guys as they came through on the Dance Gavin Dance Tour. And uh, yeah, a lot of great things. Uh, so excited to get that one out to you. Have a good week, and I'll talk to you then.